Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So I'm going to get straight into the Word of God this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me this Vision Sunday to Ephesians chapter 1. I want to read from verse 15 to verse 23, and I want to do it from the message translation of the Bible. It simply says, That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. That's an amazing statement from Paul, the great apostle, because a lot of the people he's talking about gave him a lot of grief over the years. And yet Paul was able to put that grief to one side and say, you know what, when I think of you, Dan McGore, inside of all the troubles and the things you've caused me, I thank God because of you. That's what Paul's saying. He said, I thank God for you, the church in Ephesus. I thank God. I prayed and gave thanks. But I do more than that. I ask. I ask the Master God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of glory to make you intelligent. Imagine that, a room full of intelligent Christians. That would be awesome. Some say intelligent Christian is an oxymoron. We want to change that in Jesus' name and discerning in knowing Him personally. There you go. Paul's prayer and my prayer is that we would get to know Him and get to know Him better and get to know Him more personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what He is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of His glorious way of life as He has for His followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of His work in us who trust in Him. Endless energy, boundless strength. If you're feeling a little bit flat today, Know that there is boundless energy that is found in Christ. Everybody shout out at me, in Christ. That's where it's at. It's in Him. God raised Him from death and set Him on a throne in deep heaven. Don't you love that? Not just heaven, but deep, deep heaven in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments. No name. And no power exempt from His rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. Everyone shout out, forever. He is in charge of it all and He has the final word on everything. If you feel a little unfairly treated, just know this. There is coming a day Jesus Christ will have the final say on everything, including your little argument, including your little circumstance and situation. He will have the final say on everything. At the centre of all this, Christ rules His church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which He speaks and acts by which He fills everything with His presence. I love this portion of Scripture and I love the way the message translates it. It's an amazing portion of Scripture and it highlights this fact that Jesus Christ is indeed on His throne building His church. Indeed, Jesus has always 
built his church. And Jesus is building his church. And the good news is Jesus will continue to build his church. And as a pastor, I have given my life to building that which he is building. And I trust that we have a heart and an understanding that Jesus Christ is building His church and within our hearts should be a passion to build that which He is building. And that's what motivates and drives me to build that which Christ Himself is building. It's not always been easy, I'll be honest with you, but I can categorically say it has been worth it. Amen. And over the years that we've been going as a church, we've seen a lot of change. So I love the words to this new song that we sang this morning. The purpose of God is to bring change to this planet. And in order to bring change to this planet, He's going to change you and He's going to change me. See, He loves us just the way we are, but He loves us too much to keep us as we are. And so He is changing us from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory, to the next degree of glory. He's changing us on a daily basis. And we've seen much change as a church over the years. And this word change is a word that's been brought to us more recently through a good friend in Pastor Scott Thornton, who's an executive pastor at Life Church in New Zealand under the leadership of Pastor Paul and Marie Dion. Only a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Scott was with us on Friday and Saturday, and he spent time with our staff, some of our core leadership team, and then our extended leadership team on the Saturday. We had an all-in leaders meeting on Saturday with Pastor Scott, and uh, he's an incredible leader. He's an incredible friend, and he also has an ability to bring a prophetic edge to whatever he shares. And he shared with me a thought that he had for our church. And this is the word he used. He said, there is change in the air. And I don't know about you, but that excites me and it terrifies me at the same time. If you've never been excited and terrified at the same time, then you probably uh, haven't really lived. You see, right throughout the Bible, we see people excited and terrified at the same time. When the Marys came to the tomb where Jesus was supposedly meant to be, they came on the third day and an angel greeted them with the roll of the stone that had been rolled away and they were terrified. And yet the angel shared good news and so they're excited and so they had great joy and great fear at the same time. And so it is possible. And when I heard this word from Pastor Scott, it put incredible excitement in my spirit and also a little bit of nervousness. How many know what I mean? Whenever you hear the word change. But he went on to say, he said, it's not business as usual change. It's not the daily mundane, day-to-day change. You see, every day we experience daily mundane change. When I finish preaching today, they're going to change the batteries because when I finish preaching, the batteries will be drained of all their power and they'll need to be changed in order for Pastor Ashley to preach tonight. That's daily mundane change. Most of us, I trust, changed our underwear. Daily mundane change. And can I just say this? If you did not change your underwear, here's a word from the Lord for you. Change your underwear. I mean... And if you can't do that, men, can you at least turn your underwear inside out? John, can you at least do that? 
says the Lord. I mean, like, there is daily mundane change that happens every day of our lives. We change the television channel. There's all kinds of change. Pastor Scott said it's not that kind of change for Victory Church. He said, I see a changing of the chapter coming to an end of a season into a brand new season, end of a dispensation into a brand new dispensation. And I don't know about you, while I don't presume to know exactly what that looks like, I do sense it. I do sense what Pastor Scott shared in my spirit. And this is not something I've just had a fleeting thought about. This is something I've sat on, prayed about, shared with our leadership team, dissected, discussed, prayed some more. And it's something that I can say that we as a leadership team feel strongly about. And now I'm not here to presume exactly what that looks like. But today I just want to get in our spirits preparation for what God is doing in this season. While I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, what I do know about it is this. It'll be good. We've themed this year, a year crowned with His goodness. I know whatever the change looks like, be it big or small, exponential or incremental change, it will lead together for the good and the growth of His church through our local church here at Victory. You see, change is the requirement for existence. That's why this change will be good because without change, we won't grow. Change is the requirement for our existence. The continuation of any organisation, the church or any other organisation depends on change. You see, without change, things die. And I feel that there is change afoot, not just for our church, but for the church. Not just our local church, Victory Church, but also the universal church worldwide. I sense that there is change in the air. And this, as I've already mentioned, both challenges me and excites me at the same time. However, for me to throw a thought out like that and leave it and bring no explanation can create all kinds of emotion from fear, doubt, uncertainty. Hey, it may even lead to full-blown anarchy. You see, there are usually two types of extreme responses in life. We see it in the church, you see it in business, you see it in families. Yet people either jump to legalism, and legalism is where you are afraid of the future, you're afraid of change, and so instead of embracing the change, you bury down on what you already have. And that becomes legalistic. And we don't want to become legalistic, say, no, we're not going to embrace change. We've always done it this way because we're afraid of change. That's one extreme response. We're not going to change. We're going to keep doing the things the same way all the time. That's one response, legalistic. So a legalistic change. The other one would be a liberal change. One's legalism. The other is liberalism where we throw the baby out with the bathwater. And we say, well, you know what? Church obviously isn't working, so I'm not going to go to church anymore. I don't need that. And these two extreme responses are not the responses that we need as a church moving forward. We don't need any more legalism and we don't need the liberalism that we've seen in past decades. We need to be in step with the Holy Spirit in what He's saying to us as a church. Amen? And so I want to bring a few thoughts about the future church. I could talk about this all day. 
or week or month or year. I don't have time for that. But I want to highlight just with four big headings about what I believe the future church is going to look like and how it's going to affect us here at Victory. And the first one is simply this. The church of the future will always gather together. And can I put in brackets? Regularly. That the church of the future will always gather together. You see, there are some Christians out there that don't believe in the gathering together of the saints. Maybe you've said this or you've heard this said. I'm a Christian, I just don't go to church. You ever heard that? I'm a Christian, I just, I just don't go to church. In actual fact, probably the biggest church in Adelaide right now are those that don't go to church. And, and, and that's fine. They're entitled to their opinion. But I believe that this opinion is both naive and it's usually birthed, I say usually, it's usually birthed out of hurt and unresolved issues. People come to this conclusion out of hurt and unresolved issues. The fact is, the church has always gathered. In Acts chapter 2, there they were gathered together. Right throughout church history, you will see people gathering together in His name. Even the persecuted church right now in certain parts of the world, they may do it underground that they may do it in a way that is not as public as we have the luxury of doing here, but they find each other and they want to gather together. And maybe there are some who are imprisoned and being tortured and they are unable to gather together. Please don't use them as your example as why you don't gather. Because if you were to speak to that person and you gave them the choice of being in that isolated situation or being here on Vision Sunday in Adelaide, I'm sure they would choose the gathering together of the saints. Why? Because the church have always gathered together. It's a naive statement that often comes out of hurt and unresolved issues as to why people think you shouldn't gather together as a church. The church is always gathered together. Why? Because it's inherently communal by nature. God loves us and He wants us to do life together. So He places us in His body and that body is called the church. It's communal by nature and secondly, we can do more together than we can do alone. Amen? We can do more together. We are better together than we are alone. You know, you can go as an individual to Woolworths, buy a few sausages, buy a bit of bread, buy some, buy some um, sauce and, and go home and cook those sausages up and quickly run down or, or drive down to Salisbury train station and hope the sausages don't get too cold and start giving out those sausage sandwiches to the people at uh, the Salisbury train station. You can do that as an individual and you will have a measure of success. But you will find that you'll soon run out of resource. But as a church... We are able to collectively pull our resource, be it financial resource, buy ourselves a barbecue, get down there, have a whole heap of hands that can help, a whole heap of sausages, a whole heap of bread, and feed the multitudes. I'm not saying you're wrong doing it by yourself. I'm just saying it's better together. You can achieve more in our togetherness than you can when you are isolated. So remember this church. The church was not my idea. It's God's idea. The church will survive the mishaps and the cultural trends that come and go. That's all they are. They are trends. But Jesus remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. And no matter how cynical some might be, and at times, understandably so, because we certainly don't get things right all the time. 
I mentioned that our church uh, turns 25 next year. 24 on Tuesday. Next year is 25 which puts me, makes me a lot younger when we started this church. You don't do 25 years of church without making a few mistakes along the way, or dare I say, a lot of mistakes along the way. And some of the disgruntled nature that rises comes out of young men and young women having a go for Jesus, and we don't always get it right. And for that, I'm sorry, but hey, we're still here. And I believe the church is a place where we can resolve our issues, resolve our hurts, so that we can continue staying together because we are better together. Amen? So please, do not believe the reports that the church is dying. The church is dying is a greatly exaggerated statement. Jesus is on His throne and He's building His church. For us as a church, how does this impact on us? I believe it simply means that we should deal with our issues Deal with our hurts. Why? Because we're better together. Remember, the church of the future will always gather together. Secondly, the church of the future is not a one-size-fits-all church. See, 24 years ago, as I've already mentioned, we started our church with a very small, if I say small, small group of people, 12 to be precise. And uh, over the years, it's grown to a much Larger church. Everyone say larger. And here's the thing that I've learned over the years. When we were a small church, there were some that loved it. And there are some that didn't love it. It It's amazing. We were bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, handful of people. We'd see a visitor. Everyone would just be like a like a seagull around a chip. Just like jump on them. We didn't realize we were doing more harm than good. Oh, you're a visitor. Come. Don't go. Come. Stay, please. And they felt intimidated, surprised. I don't know why. And, and, and they said, I, I don't like it. It's, it's too intimate. And, and so there were some that liked small and there were others that didn't. And I thought, okay, so the answer is God, we gotta, when we get larger, then the people, they'll love it. And as we've grown, guess what? Some love it. And many of you are here today. You love this expression. It's amazing. I love it. But what we found over the years is not everyone loves it. So that's too big now. It's not personal enough. You used to say birthdays, now you don't. We just, my, I was waiting, for, it's my birthday, and I was waiting for you to say my birthday. We used to, but now you don't. It's just too big. It's just, and, I'm not, and as a young preacher, as I've watched these changes, it can do your head in. And then I just realized something many years ago, and I settled it. It's not a one size fits all church. God is in large. And he's in the small. And the church of the future will always have large, large church expression. And it will have small church expression. So to combat the notion out there that the mega church is dying and will die and will no longer exist is not true. Uh, I don't know uh, if you're aware of this, but Hillsong Church is not getting any smaller. It's actually growing on a rapid daily rate. And I celebrate that. And there are smaller churches that are growing. And I celebrate that. See, church effectiveness is irrelevant of size. Because there are good large churches and there are good small churches. And there are really bad large churches and there are really bad small churches. If you think being small is the answer... There are a lot of small churches and the same problems still exist. So size is not the answer. I want us to know that church. 
Because if we get caught up in some of these arguments that are out there right now, we're going to miss what God is saying to us as a church. The fact is there will always be smaller churches and there will always be larger churches. For us as a church, we aim to have the best of both worlds. As we've grown over the years, it's given us opportunity and we saw this more recently with the launch of our Semaphore campus, we're able to plant smaller churches, smaller campuses, smaller church expressions. We've seen that with our chapel service. And we've seen the presence of God in our chapel service with much less people in attendance than we do here in our 10 a.m. service. And I've been in both meetings. In actual fact, more recently, I've been going from our chapel service at 8.30 straight down to our semaphore meeting at 9.30 to be back here for our 10 a.m. meeting. And honestly, I've sensed the presence of God and the favour of God and the blessing of God in all three expressions. And it's just amazing. And I, and I do believe that our church is going to continue to grow and this expression will get larger. And we're also going to have many opportunities to create smaller expressions through other services and through other campuses. And it's going to mobilize the priesthood of God. And it's going to be an crazy, exciting season to be in. Amen. Thirdly, the future church will put mission before the model. It'll put mission before the model. Churches that are unwilling to change their model will die or at best become irrelevant. Let me explain it this way. Most of us today would have come to church in the form of a car of some sort. It may be a new car. It may be an old car. It could be a godly car like a Holden or an ungodly car like a Ford. I don't know but you would have come in a car more than likely. This I know, none of you came to church today in a horse and buggy. And yet you go back 100 years, that was a massive form of transportation back in the day. And with the invention of the car, the horse and buggy was made somewhat obsolete. In actual fact, during that time, many horse and buggy manufacturers went out of business or maybe became a boutique market for the certain select few. But here's the thing. With the invention of the car, transportation increased exponentially. Horse and buggy died out, but transport increased exponentially. Why? Because transport is the mission. The model is horse and buggy. The model is car. The model is aeroplane. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Richard Branson is trying to get men to Mars or the moon. And I know this for sure. You don't get to the moon on a horse and buggy. You're just not going to get there in that model. Transportation or travel is the mission, but the model changes and needs to change in order for the mission to go ahead. Are you with me today? Does that make sense? Um, it's the same with publishing, music, photography. You see, when it comes to reading, reading is the mission. There, there was a time when we used to read out of books. But then technology came along and now we can read books on our iPhone. We don't actually need books. And this is great because you think I'm reading a book, but on the inside, it's actually an iPhone. 
And now you don't even have to read at all if you want to read a book. You can actually get an audio book, which people like me love. Because you know, reading isn't my go-to thing, but I do want to learn and I do want to saturate myself with information. And I know there are some of you purists out there that won't embrace the iPad. You, you want paper, you want pages, and it has to be read. And you might look at me as someone who's cheating because I'm not reading, I'm just listening to an audio book. But here's the point. If I can extract the information out of that book, does it really matter how I get it? See, the mission is not, uh, is not to read a book. That, that's a model. That's one form of getting the mission out there. The mission is reading. It's actually getting the information into our lives. And I know there are some of you out there that were able to read from a very early age. You were six years of age and you stood up at class and you just recited poetry like no one else. I wasn't that kid. Well, some of you were reading your little books because we used to play this game in school where you would read until you said an um or an ah or an er, and then it would pass on to the next person. But Julianne McGlade, she was a pain in my backside because she just loved reading. And she would just read reams, pages. And I sat next to her and I was always after her and I hated that. When, and she never ummed or ah, the teacher would literally stop her and then throw to me. And my first word normally was um. <laughs> I'd be kind of like the character. Oh, the dog. And I know that tiny necks and Julianne's looking at me like, you're an idiot. And I'm... But I have a passion to learn, to absorb information. The model changes, but the mission remains the same. How many of you like music? How many of you have listened to music this week? How many of you listen to music on a record player? Or, let's go back, a gramophone. <laughs> These are all models that got the mission out. The mission is music. And in my short time here on planet Earth, I, I've seen the model change. Because when I was younger, we had a record player. And for those of you out there, so I, I still prefer a record player. It's, it's a pure form of music. I, I don't believe, I think you're lying. I really do. And I know how to ruin your day. All I gotta do with a record player is go next to it and just jump. And you see how good the music is then. As the needle just skips three songs. It's just, it ain't that good. I remember many parties as a kid growing up just being ruined and all jumping up and down. And <laughs> I'm glad for technology. I'm glad for change. And so we went from record players to, we realised cassettes were a lot easier. Because at least they didn't jump, you could jump around. And, but the trouble is, if they got tangled in the thing, <laughs> and you'd have to get the pen, yeah, and it'd take you like seven days, <laughs> and you'd finally get it back in there, then you'd play it, but you didn't realise you'd stretch the tape, so <laughs> Welcome to my childhood. And then this new technology came out called a, a CD. That's cool. That was cool. A CD was amazing. We had all these CDs. And, and I'll never forget the first brand new car I ever got. 
I was a little bit disappointed because I only had a CD player and I still had lots of cassettes and I was really bummed about that. Like, oh man, I wish I had a cassette player. I was really upset. I've recently got a new car and guess what? There's no cassette player given. There's not even a CD player anymore because CDs are so obsolete. You have Apple Music and Spotify. I got all my CDs, I throw them out. And I wasn't doing the Christian thing, throwing them out and burning them in protest. I just I threw them out because they don't use them anymore. Anyone know what I'm on about? But I've listened to a lot of music this week without a record player, without a cassette. I didn't even use a CD. Technology. Technology. Companies that don't embrace change will be left behind. And those that do will advance. That's why companies like Apple and Samsung are doing so well, because they've embraced change. And that's why we no longer hear about Kodak. Who remembers Kodak? See, when I was growing up, Kodak was synonymous with photography. And I remember you'd take photos, and you'd go to the chemist, and you'd put the film in, you'd pay 20 bucks, you have to wait seven weeks before the film came back. <laughs> no, nothing instant, nothing instant, nothing. You take selfie, and then you come back, and you go in there, the photos are in, and you go, sucks, 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 blurry, 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 eyes closed, red eye, no good. Oh, one photo. If you got one decent photo, that was a good batch, yeah? And all the old people said, hey, man. And just delete, straight away, instant. But I'm so glad for the technology. So glad for technology. And you know what? I don't want to be Kodak Church. Imagine that Victory Church. We've got to embrace the mission, not the model. Are you with me? So how do we respond as a church? Real simple. We've got to say focus on our mission. Why we do what we do. And our mission here at church is to connect precious people to God, to His church, and to their purpose. And so the next time we're complaining about something, be it someone who's here, someone who's not here, be it the lighting, be it the this, be it that, be it the other, remember, what's our mission? Why are we here? Why are we here? We must be flexible with our model. That's the how we do it. And I believe, just as I've experienced much change over 24 years, because when we started our church, it didn't look like this. And I reckon in 24 years' time, our church could look a lot different. And I'm saying, bring on that change for the sake of effective, productive mission. Which brings me to point number four. The church's future will be less about us and more about Jesus and the world in which he loves. The outward focus of the early church is what led to its rapid growth. See, conversion is the work of the Holy Spirit. And that starts on the inside out. But what we're called to do is evangelize. And evangelism is an outside-in work. Because whether you like this or not, people do judge a book by its cover. And you might love them on the inside, but if you're not loving them on the outside... They'll never see the love that you have on the inside. And what I love about Jesus, he left heaven, came to planet earth, 
and showed the world what God the Father was like. I believe the church of the future is going to be less about us and what we like and what we want. And it's going to be more about us seeking opportunities, how we might be the church Monday through to Saturday. Creating opportunities to be kind, to be compassionate, to say sorry when we're wrong. I think if we could just do that in the workplace, it's like, what? man, you always say sorry. I think there's little things like that that are not commonplace in the places in which God has placed us will have a major bearing in people's lives in which God has placed us to live. Are you with me? As a church, this changes how we do life outside the church. And it changes how we do life in the church. You know, I often refer to my wife, who I met when I was very young, dated for eight years, been married for 26 years. And those of you who have been around for a long period of time, you roll your eyes and here he goes again. Why is he telling that story? I'll tell you why. Because there are people in our community that come every week for the first time. And let's be honest, when you, read television, uh, when you see the television and read the newspapers, marriage doesn't get a good rap these days. And in that moment, I'm modelling something. Maybe not to you who've been around for a while, but for those who are coming for the first time. And so we need to be understanding of why those moments take place. If we make it about us, and I've heard that, get on with it. Yeah, I know. And I apologize that you have to sit through and listen to some of those things over and over and over again. But in the context of who we're trying to reach, I believe what we're going to see in the church of the future is a church that is more about contribution than consumption. That's what I believe. And I believe there's going to be incredible opportunities in these days that lie ahead for us to be Christ's hands and feet in the world in which he's placed us. What is that world? It's your university. It's your school. It's your workplace. It's the place that you shop and frequent on a regular basis. And it gets really, really exciting. And I believe our Sunday services are going to look more and more fuller with those that are far from God seeking answers And what's on the inside of us must be seen on the outside. Amen. So our response to this message before we get into our time of reflecting back over 2017 and launching into 2018 is really to not ignore this message, but also not overthink it. We're not here to try and preempt what it is and what it's not going to look like. We just keep doing what we're doing and let God speak to us, God lead us, and God direct us. And that's why we have Vision Sunday moments, just to let you know where we're heading as a church. We had an incredible year in 2017. We themed it a year of unprecedented favor and blessing. And we saw that. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 